2: Lamar Jackson handles the Patriots. Mike Evans with another ridiculous performance. And Kenyon Drake puts together a fantastic game in his first with the Cardinals. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. This podcast is being brought to you by Untuck It Manscaped and My Bookie. Matt, I think it just makes sense for us to start with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Let's, just, um, let's
1: start. Let's dive, yeah, let's, let's dive let's into just, your personal nightmare.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna turn things over to you right away.
1: Uh, It was a a great weekend for um, my own little personal brand, Um, starting with Lamar Jackson on Sunday Night Football. Uh, I mean, it's weird because like you wouldn't say that he had a huge electrifying game. It was just another Lamar Jackson game. But, you know, like that's what he does. Like he he runs in an offense that is kind of hard to defend and he makes enough passes. And here's the thing. That was just his 16th NFL start. Like he is going to get only better from here, um, but I I feel really sorry for you. Like Triply feels sorry for you because um, obviously he he beat your Patriots. Um, I wasn't expecting that to happen. I I did think that he was still raw enough. Sorry, did you ask if I'm here? I thought the Patriots would beat them. Um, so there's that. I was wrong about that. But I feel sorry for you because obviously you were pretty down on Lamar Jackson entering the season. And uh, the better he does, the worse that take looks in retrospect. Uh, And then obviously there's the big one the Patriots should have drafted him. Uh, And it's not like this is a retrospective take, like this was something that numerous smart people were saying at the time. Uh, I wrote a piece on it at Action Network over this weekend saying that Lamar Jackson will haunt the Patriots for years. And, uh, I think that actually has a a chance of happening. Um, but really, I mean, just check out the article there. We, we've talked about it. I I cover a lot of it in the article. There are just so many reasons why they should have drafted him, but you know, apparently 32% of the population thinks that the Patriots were right not to draft Lamar Jackson, uh, which, uh, I don't know how people could actually think that, but that's, that's where we are. Lamar Jackson, huge day for him. And, uh, Really excited to see what he could do moving forward. As far as the Patriots go, a good time to be on pie. I think they will be fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Patriots, I, I think that it's perfectly fine Um, if, if you lose one game against a team like the Ravens, too, because the Ravens, yeah. I, I do believe, are a really good team. You know, Patriots will recover from that. Have to be very impressed with the performance from Lamar Jackson. Actually, uh, the Ravens altogether, um, you know, it, I guess it shouldn't be entirely unexpected given the slate of opponents that the Patriots had seen up into this point has uh, probably, that had probably inflated some of the perception surrounding the team, but still somewhat surprising to see this result. And I think what you're going to find Matt with your take in Lamar Jackson, they're going to be people who are going to miss the entire point of what you're saying. And they're always going to think that it's impossible that Bill Belichick could be wrong. So. You know, no matter how you frame it or what you say, I think that's going to be the reaction that you get. I am now done with Lamar Jackson for the evening. <laughs> I will say though, you know, as he as he made some plays last night, I was like, "Oh, that Vic 2.0 is looking more and more accurate."
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty accurate. Uh, he yeah, has he has 60 rushing yards in uh, five straight games. I mean, that's just that's who he is.
2: Yeah. Also, um, I was looking at uh, some charting data that we have access to today and i was looking at uh lamar jackson's uh broken or missed tackles so basically situations where he makes a defender miss and it's just like off the charts for quarterbacks um so yeah uh n- n- nice performance from him let's talk though about Kenyon drake <laughs> a player that another player of yours who we've now had to talk about a fair amount this season but after just a couple of days with the cardinals explodes on thursday night from 110 rushing yards and a touchdown four receptions for 52 yards how much does running back not matter (laughs) like is there a better example this is one of the best examples we've had
1: Uh, yeah i mean it's i feel like it's um it's not too little too late it's like too much too late um where like we needed Kenyon Drake on our team. Like for years I've thought he's had talent and he's just never really been able to put it all together because of a horrible situation in Miami. Um I, I think like what we saw shows both the extent to which like running backs do and do not matter. Like I think he's a talented player. Um and he could go in and with basically no preparation have a really huge game. But yeah, running back doesn't matter because basically As long as a guy hits a certain threshold of talent, you can plug him in into any offense and he should be able to do some pretty basic things. Uh, And if he can do those, then the offense can have success. I don't know if you listened to uh, the take cast that Davis Maddock had with Brian Hill, um, like, you know, third string running back for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And um, he was basically saying like, I don't, I really don't care what kind of offense I play in because each offense has basically three to four different types of runs. And like, they're all basically the same, like whatever offense you're in, they're still going to be doing these basic things. So for a running back, it kind of doesn't matter.
2: Yeah. I mean, it really makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the whole thesis or like the thesis really for this is that it, what a running back is going to be able to do is so dependent on. So many other factors with the line with the holes that are going to be available that it just makes sense that if you have a player that is okay that has the requisite talent to be an nfo back they're going to be able to make things happen that's why we've seen david johnson who a lot of people thought was one of the better backs in the league be able to succeed this season, Chase Edmonds, who's probably fairly talented, steps right in. Then we have Kenyon Drake, who might be talented as well, steps in and he can make this happen. But it does kind of speak to there doesn't need to be anything super special about a running back to put up 100 yard performances, score touchdowns, be an instrumental receiver when you're playing with an offense that is able to support a player like that a little bit redundant but that's really what we've seen. Uh so let's move on from there. Uh Jacob Hollister two touchdowns for the Seahawks over the weekend. Is there a takeaway here? Is this a fluke?
1: Uh I mean I don't want to say it's a fluke because you know Russell Wilson turned Will Disley into someone who looked like a top 6 tight end. So, you know, maybe he can do the same with Hollister. Um and so like yeah, Hollister scored the two touchdowns and I was like, oh damn, I need to research this guy. So, you know, I mean he seems he seems like just a, a typical you know nondescript blocking tight end but you know here he is catching two touchdowns I don't know if I'm gonna put much stock into it I'm sure uh, in whatever you know dynasty leagues are out there there will be people who are uh, you know probably going to overpay for him. Um, Just, you know, in part because of what uh, what Will Disley was going to do. And they're going to think that like Hollister could be, you know, Disley part two or something like that. So I'm not going to invest in him, but uh, I'm sure there will be people who do so.
2: So for a long time, people talked about Drew Brees kind of being this like perfect passer to pair tight ends with. Do you think it's possible that actually Russell Wilson is? Is a quarterback that manages to elevate his tight ends because it does seem like we've had now a couple of examples of players coming out of seemingly nowhere playing with Russell that managed to string together these out of nowhere performances.
1: Mm, no, I, I mean, because like we have you know, like a six game sample, a seven game sample with Will Disley, and then we have this, and that's pretty much it. There have been like no yep. other tight ends. Uh, I mean, like Jimmy Graham was getting significant red zone usage. But like, that's just what Graham does in general. Um, And he'd actually declined quite a bit uh, in the move from um, New Orleans to Seattle. So like, I don't think we can think of Russell Wilson as like a tight end whisperer. The the one thing he does have going for him that really could benefit tight ends is that he does throw quite a bit to the end zone. Um, And tight end is such a touchdown dependent position to where uh, if you do have a guy who's getting more touchdowns than he probably should, that's just going to elevate him all the more uh, among the other guys at his position.
2: Yeah. So I, I think that I agree with that assessment. I don't think we're looking at uh, a situation where, you know, if there's a new tight end that, that comes into the fold in Seattle next season, that we're just going to anoint him as an obvious fantasy starter. Uh DK Metcalf, another really strong game, 123 yards receiving and another touchdown. Really, really solid um season as as a rookie here. Do you think it's possible that Metcalf might be the best rookie wide receiver in this class?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it helps. And I mean, this touches on Wilson with his uh heavy end zone usage. Uh Metcalf leads the league with 13 targets in the end zone um, you know, that's not a fluke. Like they want to, they want to target him in the end zone. He's that big body guy who has good athleticism, good explosiveness. And and so, uh, I mean, as long as he's getting his opportunities to score touchdowns, he now has five on the season. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like that is, that's what matters most for him. And then like, he's also explosive enough to where like, at this point he has like 525 yards receiving. Um, he's not going to be consistent in the yardage department, but he will be, uh, explosive enough to where at the end of the season, he's going to have like 800, 900 receiving yards. And, you know, if he gets like seven to 10 touchdowns, I mean, yeah, that's going to do it. He'll, he'll be the top wide receiver in the class for rookies. Maybe that won't carry into future seasons, but at least for this year, he'll, he'll be the top finisher.
2: Unless of course the Cardinals continue uh, throwing it to Andy Isabella.
1: Oh, of course. I mean, we can only hope. Yeah, <laughs> we
2: can only hope because basically it looks like uh, if they do target him deep, it's an eighty-eight yard touchdown. So, so or, maybe or even that in if mind. they
1: target him short, it's an eighty-eight yard touchdown. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Yes. That's correct.
2: Um. Anyway, the Jaguars. I'm not sure how they're going to be feeling about Gardner Minshew. It looks like Nick Foles will return in week 11. Do you think that the Jaguars turn things over to Nick Foles upon his return? And do you have any thoughts on how that might shake things up in fantasy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't know if it makes much of a difference in terms of the guys on that offense. Like Shark is still going to be the guy who's getting the ball the most. You know, you still like D.D. Westbrook when he's healthy. Um but they're still going to be a run-focused offense that flows through Leonard Fournette. So I don't think it really impacts the offense all that much. Um, I don't think they should go back to Nick Foles. Like, I think we have a pretty good sense of what Nick Foles is, and he's pretty inconsistent, and, like, I don't think he's there long-term for the future. Like, I don't think he should be if they were thinking about building the franchise in a reasonable way. But, um, I mean, the fact that they gave him like 50 million dollars to begin with um i think suggests that they're going to go back to him so like i think it's mistake built upon mistake
2: ever seen an untouched button down they look bad why because they weren't meant to be worn that way Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt, actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. I am talking about getting a shirt that falls exactly on your body where it should. Getting rid of the frustration with shirt shopping that you've had in the past, whether it's buying for yourself or as a gift. Compare that to your experience with Untuck It and there's a world of difference. What I like about an option like this is that there's more than 50 plus fit combinations. Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can't beat that and you can't beat the material, design, color options. You can find your favorite Untuckit style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs. Gotta have the wrinkle-free. Nobody wants to deal with ironing. I love super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuckit, your shirts will never look baggy, belgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit so if you're worried about finding that custom fit for yourself don't worry about it go to the website they will get you straightened out so whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart relaxed style of your own untuck it is the way to go visit Untuckit.com and use the code blue for 20% off at checkout that's Untuckit.com and promo code blue for 20% off Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who is the number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. If you're like me, you can't do a simple project around the house, like nailing a hammer into a piece of wood without cutting yourself up, getting a nick, getting a scrape. And that's the last thing that you want to be doing when you are taking care of business below the belt, which is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawn Mower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That is just nasty. Best of all, well, maybe not best of all, Because not nicking your nuts is a great thing. But Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? An area that you have a vested interest in keeping clean. And smelling as best as it can. Get 20% off free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BLUEWIRE. yeah i see what you're saying there um i think that i agree that it probably doesn't change things too dramatically for the handful of players that have been fantasy relevant um hopefully though for me Foles does play because as i would mentioned before i paired him and joe flacco together in a lot of teams and i uh, was forced to roll without a quarterback this week on a lot of teams Oh, that's painful yeah yes it is very painful um Since I've started making a call for Duke Johnson, talked about him on the podcast, wrote about him a couple of times. It looks like he started to get a bit more work. My calls have been answered. Johnson with five targets um, over the weekend. Do you think it's possible, though, that this is just a coincidence or that this just coincides uh, with Will Fuller being out of the lineup?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably part of it. Um, But I mean, he's he's a talented player. It makes sense for them to want to get him the ball. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I think the bigger thing is, um, Kiki Cootie is in the, the dog now. So like, yep. they're not really using him. Kenny Stills is now injured. It's just like a situation where they don't have as many like reliable wide receivers whom they want to rely on. Um, so yeah, they're looking to, to give targets to other guys. And so, uh, Johnson has gotten, five targets in three straight games. Um, So, you know, his usage has picked up. I I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, I think that, yeah, the big question is just, is that something something that's going to sustain once uh, Will Fuller comes back? But like, who really knows when that's going to be?
2: For sure. You know, another thing that I was looking at today in looking at more charting data is just how solid of a rusher Johnson is. Tremendous at breaking tackles. Yeah. You see, you see the performance that Carlos Hyde had, and you can't help but question what would Duke Johnson be doing, even if he got half of that workload.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, I do. I mean, I I think Duke Johnson can probably hold up to it because there are other guys who are built like him who have been able to do it. You know, Lashawn McCoy back in the day, Christian McCaffrey now like Duke Johnson is basically like a physical doppelganger of those guys. So I think he can make it work, but you know, like I might be wrong. Like, you know, maybe those guys are just the outliers. And if Duke Johnson actually did see double digit carries per game, um, his efficiency would wind down. But I think that is probably just more of like an old school coach's mentality. Um, that said, I think it's pretty hard to, uh, to say like fumble at the goal line aside, pretty hard to say that uh, what they're doing with Carlos Hyde is wrong. Like he has 4.7 right. yards per attempt and he's, I believe, one of the league leaders in rushing success rate. Like Carlos Hyde is actually getting the job done.
2: Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree like, with maybe that. Maybe they're
1: so using him too. Like maybe they're just running the ball too much. Um, yeah. so, it, so it's easy to look at him and be like, oh, I can't believe they're using him so much. But like in terms of efficiency, this is actually the best he's ever been.
2: I will accept that. That's actually a fair point. Um, Zach Paschal, Chester Rogers, each scored a touchdown, uh, five and six targets apiece. As long as T.Y. Hilton is out, is it fair to say that these guys might be startable weekly options in the flex?
1: Uh, I mean, I guess I should say like we are in the bye weeks. So, yeah, it, like in that perspective, maybe. And Pascal is a bigger play type of guy. Like when he scores a touchdown, it does come accompanied with yards. Um, So maybe, but like I don't want to be in a situation where I have to start one of those guys. Like I think they're desperation of flex plays, like nothing more than that.
2: Yeah. And I think obviously we have to talk about the Jacoby Brissett injury. It does seem like he could miss some time potentially. I don't really think it changes the outlook for those players too much though.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I I think it does a little bit, but not all that much because like they were still um, basically hiding Brissett for a lot of the season anyway. Um, and it seemed that they were kind of using Hoyer in in the same sort of way. And it's not like Brissette was the guy he was a couple of years ago, where he was getting significant production with his legs. Like he still has that capability, but he wasn't doing it nearly as consistently. Uh, and so I think we will see like a slightly lesser version of Jacoby Brissette in Brian Hoyer if Hoyer's the <laughs> one who starts. As weird as that sounds, but I mean there are reports that um, you know conceivably. Uh, Brissette could return pretty quickly like yeah I'm gonna project him to be out this week just because I think that's like the safer thing to do but like he, I mean he apparently could return pretty quickly
2: Paris Campbell with three rushes for 27 yards and five targets on Sunday unfortunately it looks like he could be dealing with some injuries as well I just wanted to check in And see if you were not encouraged with what we've seen of Campbell at this point, a player that we talked about a fair amount heading into the season. We've only brushed upon him so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, he has potential and, you know, turning this last week, all five of his targets into receptions like, you know, that's promising. And then the rushing workload like that's that's really interesting. Um, It's just, you know, it's hard. I, I think it's it's not a lost season for the Colts. But um, it's a season that is like automatically not what they wanted it to be because luck isn't there. So they kind of have to pivot on the fly to think about how to build the offense around Bursette. And so it's just I think it's sort of a lost campaign for Paris Campbell and like the ancillary guys in that offense. Um, Maybe year two will be better. Like I would expect him to uh, to be a starter next year and like in the second half of the season. And maybe we see uh, him start to break out a little bit. but. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm not expecting much for the rest of this year. I think like what we want to see is him starting to to build up experience to be on the field uh and to have a little bit of success and hopefully he can build on that next year.
2: Do you think that um the Colts have any interest in actually rolling with Jacoby percent moving forward? Or do you think that when they have a chance to kind of take their chance on another young passer that they will do so
1: i mean they gave Brissett a contract extension um so i think like he's the guy which seems kind of weird to me but like i it seems like they are content with him being the guy and they i mean two years ago they traded a third rounder for him um and like granted that was like really before they got into the frank reich regime so hard to know what that means but like the contract extension means something
2: so what you're saying is, is that backup Patriots quarterbacks do manage to carry pretty significant value when they leave the team.
1: That is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Good. Well spotted. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as opposed to uh, you know, a running back that you could probably interchange with somebody else. Yeah. Anyway. And, um, and for
1: whom you probably couldn't fetch a fourth rounder right now. You you a fourth rounder you probably could,
2: maybe. Um, you but, know, speaking yeah. of Michelle. I went back and I looked at some of the, um, the prop bets that I'd placed, or I'm not even sure if you call it a prop bet there, but basically the, the wagers that I had placed preseason, one of them was like 1,100 yards for Sony Michelle, which I aggressively took the under on. Really? Yeah.
1: Um, well, I mean, that was, I, I mean, I think pretty sharp there.
2: <laughs> wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, I guess I would. The other one actually that's going to come to fruition as well was Kyler Murray, which I got at like 436 rushing yards, which um is looking pretty good as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, that one, it, you took the over, I'm assuming? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 I mean, both of these could come down to injury, you know? I mean, and that was like the smart thing with Michelle is that, you know, a guy who has like knee issues, like, There's a decent chance that either he's inefficient because of the knee issues or he just misses a couple of games, Um, you know, which is almost always why it's smart to bet the under on stuff like that.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Another player, Matt. Boy, we're hitting a lot of your favorites this week. (laughs) We are. (laughs) Um, Mike Evans, 12 receptions 180 yards and a touchdown. It was interesting, though, to see Tampa Bay uh, take Seattle to overtime, at least I thought. Uh, I'm just going to let you talk about Evans and this, you know, chance to gloat with another tremendous performance.
1: what is, uh, what's there to say, really? So, uh, so two, two things. One, I've written an article. It's been submitted to Action Network. It'll probably be published by the time this is live. And the title of it, I believe, is something like Mike Evans will be in the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, and I think that actually is not like a, a, like a take. Like that's like what I actually believe. Um, when you look at his – okay, so not all guys who are – Uh, Elite prospects become Hall of Famers, obviously, but like given the draft capital, physical profile, college production, like what we've seen out of him so far in the NFL isn't a fluke. You know what I mean? Like it's built upon what was a very solid uh, base of what you would expect for a guy who's done what he's done. And then uh, he's on pace to join Randy Moss, is the only other player in NFL history with six consecutive 1,000 yard seasons to open his career. Um, if you, and, and he did that as a 21 year old rookie, which is really impressive. Uh, and so you look at the guys who entered the NFL at 21 years of age, uh, and then what they did in their first five seasons. He's right up there with Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, and then just taking age out of it. You look at what guys have done through their first 85 NFL games, and he's right up there with guys who are in the hall of fame or are going to be in the hall of fame, um as long as he is able to stay healthy uh and doesn't have a huge drop off i think he has a real shot of being in the hall of fame one day and like right now like i mean he's not leading the league in receiving yards um but he's number 2 he's leading the league in receiving touchdowns and he's leading the league in um and i i might write an article on this uh at some point he's leading the league in air yards and yards after the the catch combined which uh like I've done some back testing and is like very correlated with receiving production. Um, so like he's easily leading the league in that on a per game basis. Um, and, and a raw basis, even though he's played one fewer game than a lot of other players out there. So like he's I I mean, like, I know we have the whole thing with Fantasy Mansion and like Evans, uh, I think people maybe undervalue him for a couple of reasons. One of which is like, he doesn't have the yards after the catch, which like, that's a sexy thing that like people that's like breaking tackles for running backs. It's like, Oh, look at that guy with the ball in his hands. But um, I mean like the equivalent for running backs would be like, yeah, but it's better if a guy doesn't have to break tackles in the first place. So he can just like run by the guys. Like it's better if a guy is just catching the ball down the field in the first place. Um, So like, I think he has this underappreciated skill. And then also, um, he's just, he's on a team that isn't sexy, so it doesn't get a lot of national attention. Um, so I think that's, that's like one reason why he's been undervalued, um, just in terms of like his, like the perception of him out there, like just the general football perception of him out there, but then also in fantasy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this, except that uh, I'm right in fantasy mansion is wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, y- y- as you were saying that, it made me think too. Um, I think like in the original argument, uh, which was a couple of years ago now, when Mansion was talking about him like just catching the ball and falling down, you kept being, but like it's like fifty yards downfield and stuff. So I, I could just, I like could picture and hear Fantasy Mansion coming in through one of my headphones talking about him just being a compiler and falling down. But the important thing here is if you want to keep taking, uh shots on Mike Evans producing these impressive lines that you do so at my bookie. We're almost uh into the 3 quarter mark of the season which is nuts. So if you have not gotten off of the sidelines, you really need to get into the game with my bookie. It's the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, My Bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and get you back focused on football. The best part is if you join right now, My Bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you one thousand dollars double your initial deposit you can use on all of your favorite picks use the promo code rotoviz to activate the offer that's promo code rotoviz to double your cash visit mybookie.ag today you play you
1: win you get paid hey dave i want to jump in right here with something is that okay yeah it's fine Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, thinking about sports books and, you know, if you are on the fantasy side of things and wanting to get into sports betting, uh, props, uh, like that's the place to start, I would say. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously there are a lot of books out there that, uh, offer props. Um, I've, you know, bet props at my bookie before, uh, you know, really enjoyed doing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I think prop betting is like the smart way to get into sports betting. If you're, you know, like quote unquote, just doing fantasy but you want to start to branch out a little bit more and honestly like uh I think of like props now as kind of like my version of fantasy like I I focus more on props than I do on like my individual leagues at this point like it and, and like I still think of it as kind of the same thing like I don't I don't know if that makes sense but like prop betting has basically become my fantasy sports
2: yeah no it does i mean I think like as opposed to sitting there trying to figure out who you're going to stream on a weekly basis, it's a little bit more fun, especially when you can focus that kind of same mental effort into identifying the fun players to use. And then we also tend to find that it feels those feel a lot more exploitable in that there's a shorter time frame uh, for them to be built. So they're often not quite as precise or hard to find. you know which side of the coin on a particular bet you want you know you would end up on and like a uh over under just two teams playing each other
1: yeah and i I mean i think it's i i think it's good in that like so unlike season long where it's like guys lose interest and and people just start like they stop paying attention to their team and stuff like that like it's like i don't want to be in a situation like that so i just look at props but you know i think it's it's, um, in some ways it's better than, uh, DFS because I don't have to think about lineup constraints. I can just focus on the guys I, I want to fade. And instead of it's like, oh, I want to fade this guy, which means I just stay away from him. It's like, oh, I want to fade this guy, which means I can bet against him. Um, so yeah, there are just things I, I do like about the the prop market that, uh, correlate with, uh, fantasy, but uh, I think are superior in some ways.
2: Yeah, that's actually really cool uh, because the other thing that I'll do sometimes is I'll kind of look at the baseline projection that you get out of the GLSP and uh, if there's a player that's really below or above on a particular stat, uh, I can use that to think about how I want to allocate my budget for the week out to particular bets, which is a fun thing too that uh, Rotovis users can check out. Yep. Uh, Ogunbowale keeps finding ways to score like a handful of points by like his one touch ends up being a touchdown or whatnot, taking away from what uh, may go to Ronald Jones or Peyton Barber. It does look like Ronald Jones is supposed to at least be the lead back now. Um, I don't know if anybody out there is going to be relying on him, but is there any chance with Bruce Arians talking positively about Ronald Jones that he does manage to overtake the overwhelming majority of work in Tampa Bay I say no.
1: Uh I mean I I would say yes. Um I think it's I think there's a chance it happens because it already kind of did happen last game. Um you know he started saw 18 carries um not quite a career high but um, you know, like very encouraging. And although like he finished with just 67 yards, like it was, this sounds weird. Like it was an impressive 67 yards. Like at one point it was more and then it got backed up, but like he, like he looked good, which is like the, the worst thing that I could ever say. But like, he act like he looked good running the ball. Um, And given that he had only 3.7 yards per carry, but like his coach was complimentary of him afterwards. Like, I, I mean, Like a football guy could look at that and say like, yeah, like he had a, a game that's better than his numbers. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, he's going against Arizona, um, which like, that's good. Uh, week 11 sucks and that he's going against, um, (laughs) he's, he's, he's going against the saints, but in week 12, he's going against the Falcons. Like he has a, a decent run of games. Um, and so I think you start him situationally. Uh, And you kind of see how the next few weeks unfold. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a real chance that maybe like by the by the the fantasy playoffs, he's actually a guy you uh, you have a chance to rely on. I've
2: been fooled by things like this too many times until I see another two performances from Ronald Jones where he gets above that 15 carry mark. I am not uh, anointing him as the clear cut yeah i mean
1: i i get it it's i mean it's not like clear cut in that um well in that like it's just like he's going to lose touches like we know that but the thing is it's like there are six teams on by like where does he have to slot in like at this point like this week he might be a low-end running back too
2: yeah yeah that's probably fair um I guess it depends on the context that we're framing this, and I'm really just thinking about this within the confines of the Tampa Bay offense, but perhaps he doesn't need to get 70% of that opportunity share to be an RB2 in the stretch of the season that we're in.
1: Yeah, I, I I think that's accurate.
2: David Montgomery... The only bright spot for the Bears over the weekend, two touchdowns. I will point out that I was fuming because one of them really should have been Tariq Cohen. He got very close. I would have liked to have seen the Bears let him punch it in. That's the kind of weekend it was. Uh, But man, things are ugly in Chicago.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, that's what happens when you uh, go out of your way to draft, uh, you know. (laughs) A a one year quarterback who's older and I mean we don't need to pile on to Mitch Trubisky but yeah I mean stuff stuff is bad there and uh, it looks like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah it it, it is bad I, um, I mean look just look at this the fact that we're talking about David Montgomery and he had 40 yards rushing. Like that, that says it all like 40 yards on 14 carries like this guy, like when people talk about how bad Carlos Hyde is like, this is what they're thinking of a, a guy who just randomly falls into touchdowns, but has horrible efficiency. Like, I mean, David Montgomery, I liked him a lot coming out of college and he looked really good last week, uh, sorry, last week being week eight, uh, against right. the chargers, but, uh, man against the Eagles. Uh, and granted, it was a a tougher matchup for the run, but I mean, I, I mean, he got saved by two touchdowns. Like there, there was nothing redeeming uh, really about that game from like a predictive standpoint.
2: Completely agree. And the really interesting thing too, is if you think back to when Trey Burden first arrived in Chicago, the hopes that people had for him, and then you look at the number of games that he's even done, it, done anything this season, it's actually like, really funny just to think back to how so much enthusiasm was drummed, drummed up for him when he arrived in chicago and you contrast that with where we are now
1: i mean i barely forget that he's active on a week-to-week basis yeah like when it's I'm, that bad when i'm doing rankings and projections it's like oh yeah that guy exists
2: Le'Veon bell nine targets and 17 carries Do you think that we see the Jets make an effort to keep him heavily involved for the rest of the season? It's also worth noting that it seems like Pittsburgh did actually consider bringing Le'Veon in or bringing Le'Veon back with the James Conner injury.
1: Yeah, um, which I think would have been awesome. I wish that would have happened. Um, Yeah, I think they're going to, they being the Jets, are going to uh, try to keep him involved Um, because, I mean, he was heavily involved early on. Um, you know, what we saw out of him in week nine, 17 carries nine targets. That's exactly what we saw out of him in week one. Um, I think they, they do want to feed him as much as possible. Um, and that's just sort of like who he is. He's a high volume guy. I mean, obviously sucks that his efficiency has cratered, um, you know, 3.3 yards per attempt. And I don't know if that is going to get any better because, um, I mean, Sam Darnold isn't in a position to keep defenses honest and, um, his offensive line is in shambles. So like, it's a, it's a double whammy situation for him. I mean, the one good thing is that like, uh, he is still being targeted, um, a decent amount. Um, so that can help sustain, but he's still not really being all that, um, all that efficient, Uh, in the yardage department as a receiver. So, I mean, the best thing you can say about him is like he's getting touches, but he's not really getting a lot of yards and he's definitely not getting the touchdowns.
2: For sure. Now we did talk, might even have been as recently as last week about one of the things that we worried about that did come true was the Jets not having a high enough play volume to push Le'Veon into that top five type of range. But from the perspective of Sam Darnold, As you said, a lot of issues on the offensive line. I don't think there's the best coaching there. Are we able to make an accurate assessment of the progression that we might have, and with Darnold missing time, the progression that he may have made from his first year to his second year? And are you still feeling optimistic about his outlook moving forward? Or has this season kind of given you pause?
1: Yeah, um, so a couple of thoughts. Um, I would say like, I'm not optimistic, which is probably like a good counter indicator that like now is a great time to try to buy him low in Dynasty. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I just I think I probably don't have a good sense of, of timing things like this. But, um, you know, I, I think like we are at the like the bottom, like we are at the valley of his value. And uh, I mean, Adam Gase, I think, is going to be fired at the end of the season. Um, I, I can't see how that's not a good thing for Sam Darnold. Um, so I, I don't know, but I, I am pessimistic in that, like, it's regardless of who is at fault, like, and I would say this feels like it's much more on the coach than on Darnold. Um, regardless of who is at fault, it is still a bad thing for Darnold's future, that he has basically had a wasted year. I, actually, yeah, not just a wasted year, because like, that makes it sound like it's a neutral year. He's had a negative year. Um, regardless of circumstances, a negative year in year two sets back his developmental curve. Um, so it's it's a negative thing. Even if they bring in someone else for year three who can help fix him, he is still further um, back than than where he should be.
2: Yeah, definitely not a situation that you want to be in if you are a young rookie passer. Serious question for you. Do the Chiefs need Patrick Mahomes? (laughs) I mean, uh, if they want to win- Do the Chiefs even need Patrick Mahomes? Come on, people, does quarterback even matter? (laughs) Uh,
1: uh, I mean, if they want to win a Super Bowl, then uh, they probably want the reigning MVP. But uh, yeah, I mean, this just speaks to how awesome Andy Reid is. I mean, I think the most undervalued head coach of his generation.
2: Yeah. Um, I kind of laugh at that at first, but I think that that could be true. Um, I I guess his
1: his ability to stay in the league, like speaks to how good that he is like in a league that fires about 25% of its coaches each year. The fact that he has been in the league every year for like the past 20 years is incredible. Um, and you know, he's had two pretty good stretch runs with two different teams. Um, I, I mean, and he's at times he's done it with, you know, quarterbacks who really aren't that memorable. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for him.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely think that he's one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, moving on though, just to more interesting things about the chiefs, Tyree kills six receptions, 104 yards and a touchdown. That was with Matt Moore over the weekend. Is ta- is Tyreek Hill a top five NFL receiver?
1: Well, first of all, Dave, what is more interesting than talking about Andy Reid? <laughs> 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 Second of all, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, Tyreek Hill, yeah, I think he is a, a top five wide receiver. Uh, I was doing some splits work uh, last week on his uh, career splits. And what is like fascinating about him is that he has pretty much like the same number of fantasy points in a game, whether he's played um, at least 20% of the snaps or at least 80% of the snaps. And like that trend is uh, like unfathomable uh, in general, because we tend to think of playing time as being really correlated with production. And in general it is, but Tyreek Hill is just like such a freak player That whenever, like, if he's going to be on the field for only 20% of the time, uh, the team that is using him is going to ensure, and maybe, and this gets back kind of to Andy Reid, like, it doesn't matter how many snaps he's on the field, what matters is how many snaps per game they want to get him the ball. Um, And if he's out there for only 20% of the snaps, they're still going to feed him the ball. If he's out there for 80% of the snaps, uh, they're going to give him the ball about the same amount of time. And then the other snaps, he's just going to be out there stretching the field, occupying the defense. But like, yeah, he is so good that even on 20% of the snaps, he basically can give full time production, which is just out that that's outlandish. Like no one else in the league can do that. He
2: is an absolute outlier in just about anything you can look at. Yeah, that's an insane split. Did Damian Williams win the job outright? Uh, Sunday. no, <laughs>
1: Pro- probably <laughs> not just because like there, I mean, there are still other guys there and Williams is still, um, inconsistent enough that it's going to be tempting for Andy Reed to go back to one of the other running backs when Williams isn't performing
2: quick reminder here. Uh, to check out the RotoViz Patreon and support everything that we do at RotoViz Radio, particularly of interest, because we are at 45 patrons currently. When we get to 50 patrons, we will be giving away a one-year-long membership to RotoViz. If you already have a subscription, we'll be adding on an extra year for free. Putting out a ton of shows each week. A lot of work goes into them. If you want to support the podcast team, definitely. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash rotoviz radio. We also have a 10% listener-only discount through the podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. If you have yet to sign up to the site, time to do so is now, so definitely check that out. Adrian Peterson with another 100-yard game of he, McCoy, and Frank Gore. is He, by and large, the best at the current point in their careers.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, McCoy feels like he's pretty much done, and Gore is really heading that way. Peterson, um, I mean this he's guy is like going is, the opposite direction, <laughs> yeah, this guy's like one year removed, and just like remember last year, week one, he walked in off the street. He wasn't like with the team in training camp or something. It was just like they needed a player. they signed him, and he had a twelve hundred and fifty yards season at thirty three years of age, like that's ridiculous. And he's, I mean, he's not quite at it again, but he's pretty much at it again. And ever since they fired, uh, John Gruden, uh, Jay Gruden rather, uh, in, in Washington, uh, and Bill Callahan has been there and he's like really been insistent that they are now a run first run second and run third team. Uh, Adrian Peterson has just been tearing it up. Uh, and what it means is that, Uh, As long as he's on a team that is fine with, uh, you know, committing to the run, even when they are losing, because they are totally fine with (laughs) losing close games, um, then he could be like a 1200 yard guy. Like over the last month, he's averaged 95.8 yards rushing per game, and he's added 16.8 yards receiving. Like, uh, that's really good work. He's not scoring the touchdown. So like, he's not a running back one, but like, I mean... He's getting 20 uh, twenty touches per game. Like, there aren't too many backs in the league who can say that.
2: It is absurd. He is an outlier as well. I mean, Adrian Peterson, it's like every time that you... I don't know. Anytime you want to write him off, he just comes back. In, in, in this season, I've been saying to myself, there's no way he keeps stringing this together given the situation in Washington. But he does end up putting together, as you said, you take away the touchdowns. Everything else has been pretty darn good Um, with this focus on running. And now Haskins looking like we are going to see more of him on uh, injury to case Keenum, Terry McLaurin, six targets, four wrecks on Sunday, 39 yards. Has his luck run out?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, against Miami, uh, he was able to have a a big game, 100 receiving uh, yards, two touchdowns. uh, And that was the first Bill Callahan game. But since then, uh, it's been basically nothing. Uh, And it's it's just getting worse. Now, granted, last week um, he had a a good situation. Sorry. Sorry. we will phrase that. He had a bad situation going against Tredavious White, who uh, was shadowing for the first time this year. Uh before that Minnesota, before that San Francisco. So three tough pass defenses. When he comes back from bye in week eleven, he gets to go against the Jets, uh, who have, I believe, one of the, the worst duos of perimeter cornerbacks in the league. So uh that could be a really good bounce back spot for him.
2: Kenny Galladay, uh let's talk quickly about his dynasty value. Another really solid game for Galladay. If we are in a startup league, where are you taking him? In terms of wide receiver?
1: Uh man. That's a tough
2: question, I know. Kind of putting you on the spot there, but.
1: Okay, so what all, okay, so I, I'm conflicted on Galladay. Like, he's having a fantastic season, uh, and, uh, like, from a yardage perspective, um, it's, it's, like, trending in the right direction, but it's not like he's still super dominant on a consistent basis with his yardage. The big thing is that he's getting the end zone targets, which has fueled him to a league leading seven receiving touchdowns. Um, but I just don't know if that is really sustainable. So uh, and then I'm also a little hesitant about the the Detroit offense in general. Uh, and then although Galladay is only in his third season, he is already 26. Um so like there's just this kind of like I I'm enthusiastic about him now and I'm really enjoying what we're getting out of him. I just don't know if he's going to be doing this 2 years from now. So uh, I don't know. Like I I want him but I I don't want him as much as I want to. That that brings me to an interesting
2: question here and I understand what you're saying about the age because I do think he is older than most people would realize. But with him being 26, I think it's Fair to conclude that there's probably you know another three four solid seasons of production, do you think that in the context of dynasty being
1: twenty six is old yeah i mean yeah it's 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 old in combination with all of the other things that i that mentioned. we know about him yeah, yeah, like it's old for a guy who's in his third season um and then like again, the situation um I just don't know if I can depend on him to get all of those end zone targets in the future or for the Lions to be fine with a an offense that is surprisingly leaning more towards the pass. Like, what happens when Carryon Johnson comes back next year? Like, are they just going to want to like run the ball again? Like, I just, I like, I really like Kenny Galladay, but like, I'm viewing him as sort of like free money. Like, if you have him in Dynasty, you're happy with what you're getting and you're just going to hold him in hope that it continues, but I'm just kind of pessimistic about his situation. Devontae
2: Adams returns to eleven targets. Packers, uh, or the Packers other receivers, I have to imagine, take a major hit in streamability when you consider that Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones both see a significant amount of targets. Am I missing something there? Is there still a receiver in that group that people can be looking to each week?
1: Yeah, I mean there's there's like the possibility of decent games with some of the other guys, but um, yeah, now that Adams is back, Kumaro and Lazard both took a major hit, so they're out. And then, you know, like Geronimo and MVS both feel super inconsistent.
2: Yeah, completely agree. Um Brandon Allen and his impact in Denver. I don't know if you had any takeaways uh as far as the Broncos offense goes. <laughs> no.
1: no. <laughs> I mean uh I don't like I don't think what we saw out of uh the two main guys we care about in terms of uh, like the pass catching workload yeah. like Sutton and Fant. I don't know if what they did has much to do with anything that we saw out of Allen. Um in, in part because like it was just one game. He did have only 20 attempts. Um, and it was against, uh, like a, a Cleveland defense that, I don't know, isn't really putting it all together. Um, so I, I don't know, but the fact that like he did, um, he did target like those guys the most, uh, I think is a good situation, but like fant um, how many targets did he have? It actually wasn't three. even all I that many. It yeah, it was just like, it was just that he had, he had four targets, three receptions. Okay, yeah. He was able to break one of them for like a 75 yard touchdown. Like that's, that's not sustainable. Um, like Fant looks good catching the ball and it's obviously nice that he's out there all the time and running routes. And so I am still really optimistic on Fant for the rest of the season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a good situation that the quarterback attempted only 20 passes.
2: It definitely isn't. Uh, I will say though, it's been awesome to see, uh, Philip Lindsay do so well this season, still making a lot of exciting plays out there. Um, in the other side of the equation in this game, dude, Cleveland is bad. They are really bad.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't even do, does Freddy Kitchens make it through the season? I feel like he uh, I think he does. It's going to be it's it,
2: it's going to be close. I guess because what do they really gain by getting rid of him?
1: You know what I mean? Like yeah. does it does it matter when they do it? Uh no, probably not. Um I mean, they're 2 and 6. Do you think he's gone after the season?
2: I think he has to be gone after the season when you consider the expectations that that he brought into it.
1: Yeah. Uh, So it's, yeah, it's a horrible situation. I do think Kitchens is gone. Then it's like, what do they, what do they do? Like, who do they, who do they hire? Um, Who wants to go to Cleveland? Mayfield has regressed so much.
2: Bring out, bring bring Uh, Urban Meyer into the fold. I'd love to see that.
1: You know, that's, that's actually a great idea. Um, who knows if he would do it, but that, that would be, uh, that would be really interesting. Like at a minimum, it would be interesting. Like for anybody that's unaware he's from Ohio,
2: which, which adds some intrigue to it. So
1: yeah, great drama. But, uh, Mayfield has regressed so much that like, it's possible, like some coaches might be like, yeah, I don't know. I'd kind of rather just choose my own guy.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And, And especially like in this next class, um, the Browns are two and six, like, They could conceivably have a high enough pick to be able to get a quarterback. Not like a top two quarterback, but like if a coach came in and was like, oh man, I really like that quarterback who's sitting there at number seven, like, I mean, (laughs) what are you gonna do?
2: Yeah, yeah. I know you know, the weird the weirdest thing I think about the Browns too is as much as I love Nick Chubb, and I, I ended up being wrong on this, which I'll admit, I was worried about him. Um, a little bit heading into the season, because I was thinking, you know, what if this Browns team doesn't work out the way that we thought? Not thinking that the way that it might not work out would be in the passing game and that we'd be looking at Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham with very disappointing seasons. So things have not gone the way we expected.
1: Yeah. Well, and then on the, the Chubb front, um, you do have Kareem Hunt coming back this week. So like, that that will be the interesting thing to see, like how much do they incorporate Kareem Hunt?
2: Yep. Well, we will catch up on that next week because we are out of time for our episode uh, currently, but uh, we will see you next week. So please make sure that you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCavinFF and at MattFTheOracle. And until next time, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.